Welcome back, everybody, to episode number six of the Building a Lifelong Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Renke. For episode six, we're talking about all things related to tobacco today and how it can impact your health. If you haven't checked out any of the previous podcasts, I'd encourage you to do so as we're slowly working through the nine topics I feel build the foundation of health for everybody. But regardless, this episode by itself will still be helpful. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right, now it's time for the podcast. Tobacco is bad. Well, there it is. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. But uh, seriously, today we're going to be talking all about you know different forms of tobacco, whether it's cigarettes, cigars, vaping, chewing tobacco, and spoiler alert, none of them are good for you. However, the majority of the conversation will be about smoking cigarettes because that's where most of the data is focused, actually. So when you hear me referring to smoking, I'll typically be talking about cigarette smoking unless I specifically mention vaping or other means of tobacco. And while I know that the majority of people listening to this podcast probably don't use tobacco, that's awesome, but there's no way I couldn't include this because it's so important of just how pervasive this problem still is. As a physician, I have seen the downstream effects of smoking, what it can do to people. And if I have to dedicate an entire podcast to smoking just to get one person to stop, then I think that's a fantastic trade-off. Honestly, it's so bad. Besides, maybe you don't smoke, but odds are you know somebody who does. So it's still my hope that this podcast helps communicate with you and helps you be able to communicate with them more effectively. And maybe you'll learn something along the way as well. First, let's start with the most compelling argument for not smoking. It's because literally when you do it, you die younger. It's crazy, but it's thought that smoking causes almost 500,000 deaths per year, which is about one in every five deaths for the entire country. So, you know, of every five deaths, one of them is smoking related, which is absolutely insane. In fact, if you were to add up the deaths from HIV, illegal drug use, alcohol use, motor vehicle injuries, and firearm related injuries, smoking would still be responsible for more deaths. That's actually insane. Smoking also not only increases your risk from dying from things like lung cancer, but it actually appears that smokers have an increase in deaths from all causes in both men and women. So the literal act of smoking increases your risk of dying, which is kind of insane if you think about it. So besides just talking about mortality, I think it's important to talk about other things and what other issues might arise with smoking. Smoking increases the risk for coronary heart disease by about two to four times and increases the risk of lung cancer by over 25 times in both men and women. That's some big numbers there. On top of this, smoke into the lungs is clearly not a good thing, and smokers are more prone to developing respiratory diseases like chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, or COPD, and can make other you know, less serious respiratory conditions like asthma also more disabling. So really, it's not helping anything. Smoking can also have some other less well-known effects as well. Some of these include decreased fertility in females and pregnancy complications like preterm delivery, low birth weight, still birth weight, SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome, ectopic pregnancies, and oral facial clefts in infants. Sperm affected by tobacco smoke can also increase the risk for birth defects and miscarriages in females and can reduce fertility. So another really important one that we talk about is smoking can affect bone health and make you at a high risk for osteoporosis and increase your risk of suffering a broken bone. I think it's pretty much safe to say that smoking does pretty much no favors to any part of your body. Now, most people know that smoking can cause lung cancer, but is that the only cancer that's associated with smoking? Not even close, in fact. In fact, smoking can pretty much increase the risk of cancer for basically all the major organ systems in your body. Places like the bladder, blood, cervix, colon or rectum, esophagus, kidneys, larynx, liver, oropharynx, pancreas, stomach, and other locations are more prone to developing cancers than smokers. It's crazy. Not only that, but people who smoke tend to have an increase in the risk of dying from cancer. And if nobody smoked, it's estimated that one in every three cancer deaths in the U.S. would not occur. Let that sink in. Now, maybe you're saying, Jordan, I'm a lost cause, man. I smoke and there's no way I'm quitting. But there are people who live with me who don't smoke. Are they safe? And the unfortunate answer to that is 
Probably not. Your family is still at risk, even if they don't smoke themselves. It's reported that about 2.5 million people um, have died from health-related issues caused by secondhand smoke. And although it's still improving, there are still way too many people who are exposed to smoke. Some populations that have a high risk of exposure include children in the ages of about 3 to 11, non-Hispanic, Black Americans, people living below the poverty line, and people who rent housing. So it does look like there's a strong social factor that can play a role as well. Those who've had secondhand smoke exposure do increase the risk of developing heart disease by about 25%, lung cancer by another 20% or so, and can cause problems in children like unexpected death in infants, increased risk of illness, and trigger of asthma exacerbations. The recommendations are that nobody smokes in the house or car with anybody who doesn't smoke. But if you have to smoke, then you should do it outside, away from everybody else, away from any windows, and then you should change your clothes before you come back inside. So you've now heard all of this damage that smoking can cause, but how exactly does it cause this damage? Well, there are a whole bunch of variations and random mechanisms that do it, but we'll just talk about a few of the most important ones so you have a basic understanding. One idea is that tobacco affects proteins that help prevent cancer from spreading in your body. And the protein is damaged due to DNA damage from the smoke. Specifically, there's something called P53, which is the name of one of the tumor suppressing proteins in the body and generally acts as a type of quality control agent for your cells. Normally, if it sees things that's not right, it'll shut things down, kill off a troubled cell, and you move on with your life. However, if P53 is affected, this can lead to your cells growing in an unchecked fashion, and this is one of the ways that cancers can proliferate. From a cardiovascular perspective, the toxins from the cigarettes tend to increase inflammation, clotting, and oxidation of cholesterol molecules, and all this is a perfect recipe for precipitating cardiovascular events like heart attacks and strokes. In fact, they can find the metabolites of tobacco and nicotine in the urine in smokers, which shows that these chemicals don't just stay in the lungs, but can get all throughout the body, and that explains why there are so many organ systems that are damaged from smoking. This is some real nerdy stuff, but I think it helps get a framework of how tobacco actually damages our bodies. Okay, so now let's say I scared you out of cigarettes, but you still can't kick smoking altogether, so you wanna try vaping. Is this a good idea? Well, it's kind of a loaded question. Electronic cigarettes are promoted as a safe or less harmful alternative to smoking or as a way to help people stop smoking. It involves heating a liquid to produce an inhalable aerosol, and it differs from smoking because it never actually burns tobacco, which is thought to produce a bunch of toxins and carcinogens, thus the reason people are saying it's safe. However, closer analysis of the vaping liquid and vapor does still show lots of the same dangerous chemicals, but at a smaller and lower amount. On top of that, there are plenty of reports of vaping-related severe lung injuries and even a few causes of death that are associated with vaping-related lung injuries. Although the majority of these were thought to be caused by kind of a vitamin E component that was in the fluid, which have since been removed. So is vaping dangerous? 100% yes, absolutely. There's no way you can say that inhaling any sort of foreign chemical is truly safe. But the better question is, is it safer than smoking? This right here is the million dollar question. It still looks like e-cigarettes have a lot of potentially harmful chemicals in them, but it appears to be at a lower concentration. The other thing that makes it really tricky is that we have no long-term studies on this at all. We have decades and decades of data telling us that smoking is bad. And in the vaping literature, the studies literally only go back a few years, which can pretty much tell us nothing about the risk of vaping and things like cardiovascular disease and cancer. However, people also talk about how these e-cigarettes might potentially be useful to help people stop smoking cigarettes or what we call medicine as a type of harm reduction, which means by replacing one bad thing with a slightly less bad thing. The data on that is mixed as well, with some studies showing that they don't improve the rates of quitting, but others showing that it may. It's kind of mixed. The thing is, though, is it really less bad? I don't know. Mechanistically, it looks like it may have a lower concentration of chemicals, but will that make a clinically significant difference? Who knows? 
Um, or is any form of tobacco smoking at all gonna lead to the bad outcomes that we already see? I guess only time will tell, but the overall takeaway is that yes, vaping is dangerous. The long-term studies are inconclusive, but from a mechanistic standpoint and from some data showing that using it to replace cigarette smoking may improve your chances of quitting, it may be something to consider as a means to stop smoking. Please don't start. Full stop. And if you do vape, plan on stopping ASAP. But if you're trying to kick the smoking habit via vaping, then using it as a sort of prescription form of smoking cessation, then there's some plausibility behind that idea, but that is a much more nuanced problem that will take some serious thought and consideration. Moving on, let's say you're a big baseball player or maybe a big hunter or fisherman, and you're saying, Jordan, I don't smoke. I know that's bad for me. All I do is throw a dip in when I'm outside. Is that really that bad? And before you get all up in arms and about me singling out baseball players or outdoorsmen, I will readily admit that I am stereotyping these patients because they are by far and away the people who I see using smokeless tobacco the most. By far. Being a former college baseball player, I can tell you that everywhere I went and everywhere I played, it was everywhere. People were using it. So I get it. But the question, is it really that bad? Well, once again, it's complicated. There's some data that there is an increase in oropharyngeal cancers with smokeless tobacco. And some data also shows that it may be tied to cardiovascular disease and hypertension, but that data is not explicitly clear. It seems that the greatest and most consistent risk we see with smokeless tobacco is increasing the risk of oral cancers. And it doesn't seem to have the systemic effects that we see with smoking. Also, some see it as similar to vaping, where it can be used to help wean off of cigarettes. But once again, data is also not clear on that. Overall, there definitely seems to be some evidence pointing that smokeless tobacco is not ideal, but I can understand the argument that smokeless tobacco is the least harmful of means of tobacco use, but that in no way means I endorse it, and I still strongly recommend that you stop using it if you can. I'm sure by now you are sick of me talking about how bad smoking is and how you should quit, but I just wanted to touch base on the topic of smoking cessation for a little bit. I know that when I say someone should stop smoking, it's just not that simple. It's not as simple as just, oh, I'll just do it. Thanks, Jordan, for telling me. Just like when I would suggest someone should lose weight, I understand that the process of weight loss, or in this case, smoking cessation, is incredibly difficult and complicated by a ton of different factors like stress, your environment, your social support, your finances, and a bunch of other things. So I get it. I don't live in a bubble and think that by saying you should quit will suddenly give you an epiphany that you should stop smoking. In fact, if you smoke, I'm sure it's crossed your mind many of times. But what I want to accomplish here is just talk about some of the options that can be tried to help someone quit smoking. First, we'll talk about medications. One style of medication includes nicotine replacement therapy, which is where we give you either patches or gum that have nicotine in them, and then they slowly decrease the amount of nicotine you get until you can wean off. Additionally, we have some other medications that are pills like varenicline and bupropion, which they can be helpful. And in one meta-analysis I was looking at, it appeared that all three of them were better than placebo in both short-term and long-term outcomes. So this is definitely a viable option that you should talk to your doctor about if you have any interest in this. If you aren't interested in a pharmacologic approach, then there are other approaches you can try. The most popular type being counseling. Counseling typically is done by a mental health professional but there are now apps that can be used as well. And what they're trying to accomplish with this is to help you make a plan, have accountability, and help you deal with the stress, urges, or other issues that may come up during the process of quitting. It's also worth mentioning that you can do therapy and take a medication at the same time. And it appears that a multimodal approach is probably the most likely route to succeed. The overall idea is that asking for some type of help is most likely to be the best approach for most people. I'm not saying that you can't quit cold turkey, as we all know family or friends who have done the same thing, but the data seems to show that getting some sort of assistance increases your chances of successfully quitting. All right, so that was a lot. We're gonna wrap up right now with some practical take-home points. The big idea I want you to take home today is that smoking and tobacco use is just so obviously a risk factor that it just makes sense to avoid it entirely. However, if you are using tobacco products, I would strongly encourage you to reach out to a professional to help you with quitting. As always, I really hope you got something out of this. And if you found it helpful, it would mean the world to me if you shared this with someone, like the podcast or video, or subscribe to the channel. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Now get off the internet, go do something active, and go live your life. And we'll see you next time.
Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.